Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. So one day, one of my kids asked me, Dad, what does it mean? What does procrastinate mean? And I said, I'll tell you later. Uh, when we had our son, my wife, I went to my wife, I said, dear, I want to name our son Lance. And she said, you can't name him Lance. That's way too uncommon of a name. I said, well, believe it or not, in medieval times, people were named Lance a lot. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. How y'all doing? Good. You got a Bible? Open with me to Romans chapter 14. Uh, confession here. When we started the sermon series, all the way back in the planning stages, uh, Romans 14 was actually the chapter I was thinking of all the way back in December that I wanted to preach this message series because of Romans 14. And uh, wow, who knew where we would be today all the way back in December, no, actually, I think it was November when I started working on it, and it was all because of this chapter. This chapter was sort of what started me to thinking. So if you got a Bible, you're going to want to follow along. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put something up on the screen, and when we put something up on the screen, we're going to not read a verse today. We're going to read a chapter today. So you can go home today and said, yeah, I read a chapter in the Bible today. So would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word and let's read uh, a chapter from the scriptures. You ready? Romans chapter 14. We'll start with verse one and let's just, hey, you know me, first word. What's first word? Accept. Wow. This is totally different than our culture teaches, right? Our culture right now is all about reject. If you don't think the way I think politically, reject you. If you don't think the way I think about race relations, I reject you. If you don't think the way I think about this, that, or the other, it's always rejection. And, and our culture right now is teaching us to lead with rejection. But God's word says we're to lead with what? Accept. Accept. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling, quarreling over disputable matters. That's what we're going to talk about today. Disputable matters. Now, one person's faith allows him to eat anything. But another person whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. All you vegetarians out there, I'm sorry you have weak faith. It's just the Bible. And some of you are all offended now. You're all offended. Listen, listen. What was the first word again? Except. So just relax today, okay? We're going to talk about a bunch of this stuff. So can we just sort of relax and realize I accept you if you have weak faith and eat only vegetable. All right. No, no. I, I just think, you, I think we need to be sane about this. What's funny, years ago, there was a girl that got in my car. Uh, she was, we were taking her to school. A group of girls were riding with my daughter to school and she gets in the car and she declares she's a vegan. And I said, well, well that's cool. Why are you a vegan? She says, we just don't need to be mean to animals. And I looked down, I said, are those leather shoes you're wearing? <laughs> oh, come on. Can we have some fun here? If it, can we just relax today, all right? Let's relax, all right? 
So one person's allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Now the one who eats everything must not treat with, key word for today, contempt. The one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. God has accepted them. So there are two different approaches. One is we view people with contempt because they don't hold our attention, our, our, our same views on things. We contemptuously look at them. And then the other way is we judge them about everything they do. And in either one of those, if you're on one side or the other, you know, uh, you're go either going to look at people with contempt. You're not as awesome as I am. Or you're going to look at them judging saying you're such a, anyway, Right. All right, four of us are awake today. Come on, the rest of you, I'm going to wake you up as we go. Here we go. Uh, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, they servant stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Now, one person considers one day more sacred than another, and the other considers every day alike. So, remember, this is a debate going on between Jews and Gentiles. So, you know, do you worship on a Saturday on the Sabbath? Do you worship on Sunday, the day that Jesus was resurrected and the early church worshiped on? One, uh, each of them consider, uh, should be fully convinced in their own mind. I'm going to read that again. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord, the, uh, and whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. So it is possible to have differing opinions within the family of God and still all love God. Did you know that? That's amazing. Whoever regards, um, uh, let me see, verse seven, for none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. I'm, I'm a person that I'm not afraid to die for I'm just not afraid to die. You know what I'm really afraid of? Not living. Too many of us don't live and we're so afraid of dying that we never live. And I, I think we should realize that if we live, Jesus purchased our life. If we die, it's a promotion. Hey, serving Jesus may not pay very much, but the retirement plan's out of this world. All right, so where am I at? Verse 10. You then, why do you judge, here are these two words put in contrast to each other, why do you judge your brother or sister and why do you treat them with contempt? So you either judge them as being less or you have contempt toward them for what they do. We will all stand before God's judgment seat as it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Hold that in mind. We'll talk about that later. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced and fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. Wow, that's quite a statement. That's a big statement right there. Nothing is unclean in itself, but if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. And if your brother or sister is distressed because of your practice of what is clean, what you eat, drink, go to church with whatever, you are no longer acting in love if you're distressing someone else. So do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. 
Therefore, do not let what you know to be good to be spoken of as evil. Uh, that verse is underlined in my Bible. This one's like triple underline. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God is not a matter of a bunch of stuff, but it's about righteousness, your relationship with God. It's about peace, your relationship with one another. And it's about joy, the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, even bacon. Hallelujah. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God you purified bacon. Hallelujah. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. For it's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself in that thing which he approveth. Sorry, I quoted King James because that's how I memorized it. Happy is the man that does not condemn himself with the thing which he approveth. Think about that. Whoever has doubts is condemned that they eat because their eating is not from faith. And everything that does not come from faith is, come on, everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Father, I pray that today you would add your blessing to the reading and the hearing of your word. Let me speak what needs to be said the way it needs to be said so that we could hear what we need to hear so that our lives could be lived for your glory. We pray it in the name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. Air high five somebody for you. Sit down online. Here's your air high five. Actually, air high 10 to you. Yeah. All right. So I was a youth pastor at the age of 21, just out of Bible college, just got married, just moved to a town. And I came from CBC. I moved to Wilmington, Ohio, which is in the middle of nowhere, basically. Well, for Ohio, it is. Anyway, a little town, about 15,000 people. They had an AG church there. They paid me 6,200 and I think it was $6,237 to live my first year as a minister. Man, getting rich for Jesus. Anyway. Yeah, I heard that us preachers, we all make a load of money. That's, that's it. Anyway, um, so I, I go, I'm youth pastor, and right after I get there, my senior pastor came to me and he said, hey, listen, you've got this deal with the Bible. You, you get it. You understand it. And we have a need for an adult Sunday school class teacher. The adult Sunday school class was taught in the sanctuary on Sunday mornings during the Sunday school hour, and they wanted me to do the teaching. So Pastor Rick asked me to do it, and I said, okay. And like a month into it, um, I was teaching through 1 Corinthians, I believe, and I come across a passage, and in the passage, it's talking about how a man's body is not his own when he gets married, and a wife's body is not her own, but she's to submit it to the man, and the man's to submit his body to his wife, and the two are to submit their bodies to one another. And I just that week had been listening to a Christian radio station available in that area, and on this Christian radio station, this guy said, literally, he said, it is sinful to have sex with your wife so it's better men to masturbate than it is to have sex with your wife because having sex with your wife is sinful, which is in direct opposition to the scripture I was teaching on that week. Are y'all following me here? So me being the guy that 
Never had a problem talking about anything. My wife says, you're right, you know. <laughs> I stood up on Sunday morning to the 25 or 30 wonderful elderly people in our church talking about sex within marriage and saying that it is holy and beautiful within marriage as God designed it. But I heard this guy say, it's better to masturbate than to have sex with your wife. And Lottie Friend, the matriarch of the church, hit three levels of red on her face and the top of her head exploded off and blue hair went all over the place. Now, now I'm not picking on blue hair and making fun of it. I'm literally saying, Lottie, whatever she used to wash her hair, it was blue. And Lottie was a matriarch. She was a, a, a related to the founding pastor. There was, you know, she was the one that all the ladies in the church sort of congregated around. And here I was, 21-year-old youth pastor, and she was mad. Because she had grandkids in the youth ministry, and the grandkids in the youth ministry were going to hear their youth pastor talk about sex and that M word. So by Sunday afternoon, I'd already gotten a phone call and guess where I wound up on Monday? I wound up at Lottie Friend's house having a talk with Lottie Friend about the fact that all I was doing was talking about the Bible and quoting what a Christian said for everyone in the neighborhood to hear. And I'm not trying to teach our kids to be respectful to God's word. I'm trying, I mean, we had a long conversation. She was mad. She was mad. She was very mad. She was very worried. And we had a long conversation. I somehow survived it. And I just want you to know that when you because she was worried about her grandkids and she's worried, you know, she's this very conservative, godly lady who has all of these thoughts about how life is to be lived and these convictions about how we're to approach such subjects. And I was stepping onto those and she took it as me being a horrible person and disrespecting her. This happens all the time. Do women have to wear, according to 1 Corinthians, once again, 1 Corinthians 11, do women have to wear doilies and dresses? You know, it's in there, right? That a woman that prays with her head uncovered is dishonoring God and dishonoring her husband or her male authority. You know what's in there, right? So do women have to wear dresses and wear doilies on their head? I thought doilies were only for like lampstands, but I went to this one church one time and they were all wearing them on their head. And I'm like, I didn't know that many people knitted those things. Where did you find them all? Have you ever read that passage and thought, oh, what do we do with this? None of you are wearing doilies today. Why not? Why aren't you wearing your sign of authority on your head? It's there in the Bible. What do we do with that? There are churches where it's required, right? I grew up in a church that said that a woman wasn't allowed to wear pants because they were man's clothing and you're not supposed to do that and, and you can't wear makeup or you can't paint your nails, God forbid. I always thought a little paint did a barn good. Oh, come on, disputable matters. Aren't we having a little fun? Listen to me, listen to me. If you're gonna be all tense with me today, just realize this entire sermon is about how do we deal with the tension. So I'm going to call out these tensions, okay? Can we deal with that? All right, so, so when I came, I, I was gonna take a group of youth on a missions trip. 
And believe it or not, the place we were going to go required all the women, all the girls, if you went to their missions trip, where they were working, the people they were working with, they, they had to wear a doily and dresses to go work on this missions trip. And I was like, I, I'm just trying to get my girls to not wear booty shorts because we had a bunch of unsafe, <laughs> bunch of girls that had just gotten saved. And I'm like, could you please cover something up? If I told them they had to wear a boy, doily, I can only imagine. Did tension, you know, is it all right for a Christian to drink alcohol? Now, AG position is total abstinence. The childhood I grew up in, you touch alcohol, you're going to hell. You're not going to hell. You're going to hell. I mean, it's, it's three layers lower than hell. <laughs> Drink alcohol. It's sin. The AG has a position paper. We're part of the Assemblies of God. The position paper, it's a practice that's condemned. You can get in trouble for it, I guess. Now, then, then y'all ready for this? We took an AG missions trip with our same parent organization. We go to Germany. I get off the plane in Germany, get out of the car, go into the first church meeting and they handed every single person on a team a beer mug. <laughs> Tension, right? Which one is it? Where's right? When I, when I grew up, I, I grew up in the 80s. Does anybody remember... Does anybody remember, uh, let me see, what, what did they call those? Uh, uh, music, no, what were those called? Music seminars. Music seminars. Anybody remember those? Where they, the guy would come up and he would preach on the evils of music of the day. Does anybody remember any of those? There are about a dozen of you. Okay, all right. So what happened was back in the 80s, there was a band called Led Zeppelin. They put out this really popular song called Stairway to Heaven, which is bad enough going forward. But some youth pastor somewhere, trust me, I like the music, but some of the theology in there is really dangerous, you know? Anyway, um, what? I can't pick... Oh, that's good. See, God doesn't even like me dealing with Led Zeppelin. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll come back around. I'll just keep talking. We'll go with it. Pastor Garrett's got it. All right, so uh, these music seminars, somebody played Led Zeppelin backwards, Stairway to Heaven, and they heard in the background, they heard something like, and they heard... Uh, Oh, we should worship Satan. So all of these guys in the 80s started going around playing all their records backwards on it, you know, and, and they were looking for backwards messages. Does anybody remember this other than me? Yeah, yeah. So anyway, the, what grew out of that is that, um, you know, all this secular music is sinful if you listen to it backwards. And I just thought it was sinful if you listen to it forward. Oh, don't even get me started on rap music. I'm not online. I can say this right now. <laughs> you don't want to. Me and my wife were playing tennis the other day. Come on, can I come down here and talk to you guys? We're playing tennis. Me and my wife were. So we're playing tennis, and, uh, and the guys at the court next to us were listening to rap music. Now, I don't listen to that kind of music very often, if you can call it music. But let me just say what, what they were talking about, how they were talking about the women how they were talking about women. Did I say how they were talking about women? Listen, you talk about my daughter that way. You better duck. I'm going to punch you in the face. My daughter is not to be treated like that by anybody, anywhere, anytime. Right? 
can we stop allowing this garbage into us? But that's just me going off on a disputable matter. <laughs> because some people can listen to it and say, that's great. Why don't you get this out of it? I'm like, because I'm saying, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can't read my notes, so I got to keep going. Y'all ready? So anyway, we were doing these, uh, these music seminars and they would play the music backwards and tell us how we were all going to hell if we listened to that. And, and I grew up in that environment. As a matter of fact, that environment was the, what I, what I grew up in. Then I went to a Christian college and it's all right. You guys just hang on. It'll be all right. So at this Christian college I go to, everything was sinful except for that spiritual godly music, you know, like Sandy Patty, who only had an affair with a road manager, but that... And then I go to this church in Arcoma, Oklahoma, where it wasn't just Christian music. It had to be Christian music with twang. You had to sing the Oklahoma bluegrass version of every song. And every song ends on the same note. You got to hold it 4-4. Four, four. Are, are y'all awake? Are you, anybody enjoying this? Hopefully. It's in my enjoy. All right. All right. So... So anyway, I'm in this church and me, I like this crazy rock band called Striper, right? Jesus is the only way to be saved. Yeah. All right. And I like it. I, I like it. So I give one of the kids in our church this cassette tape with Jesus. I declare Jesus is the only way. I'm like, you got to listen to this song. And he listened to that song and the pastor of the church hears him listen to the song. So the sermon on the next Sunday was about how there's some kid in our church trying to destroy our church by spreading this satanic devil music wrapped up in Christian garb. And that was the sermon on the next Sunday. Anybody got any scar? I, I, I got a few scars. Can you tell? I've hung around with Christians for a while. Christians are incredibly condemning or judgmental. And we're only condemning and judgmental of people who hold different opinions than us. Which is everybody, basically. So this church, this passage we're dealing with, there was this Gentile church that had taken over because all the Jews had been kicked out of Rome. So all the Jews, they were holding kosher. I mean, they were not eating pig and, and they, were, they were holding their services on Saturday and they were eating special type of specially made food and in special ways and, withhold, and holding certain festivals and stuff. And then all the Jews are gone. The Gentiles left to have church. So they're like, hey, we doing a pig roast at church on Sunday night, Right? And then the Jews come back to town and they arrive and they're like, we can't go to a pig roast on Sunday. What's church? And they're fighting with one another because everybody had an opinion, which sounds just like what we live in today, that everybody's got an opinion. So what do we do with it? There are five mandates. I know it took me a long time to get through my introduction, but if y'all listen fast, I can do this. I did it in first service. We can do this. You ready? Five mandates, how we handle disputable matters. Number one, be sure of what you believe. Make sure you know what you believe. Do you know what adolescence is? Adolescence is that key moment where you decide that you're going to live a life worth living because it's your choice to be made. The problem I have with our culture is we've delayed adolescence to 25 or 30 and you think you can run around being a punk for another dozen years when you actually need to grow up at about 13 or 14. You need to investigate the truth of your parents' claims. You need to investigate the truth of the gospel and you need to commit to the truth of living for Jesus when you're 13 or 14, not wait till you're 30. 
you'll, you'll enjoy life a whole lot more, trust me. Because if your life maxes out at 30, then you really have a lousy life. So be sure what you believe. Ask questions, grow. God gave you the brain, do it now. Quit running around trying to act like everybody else. Make sure what you believe. So Romans 14, 12, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, we should stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your own stinking mind. If stinking's not in the original Greek, it should be. Make up your own mind, not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, I'm fully persuaded, I am persuaded, I know what I believe in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself, but someone regards another thing as unclean. For that person, it's unclean. You gotta make up your mind, what are you gonna believe? The problem is, though, that most of us have not based our actions on our beliefs. We based it on our feelings. Because you see, what we want to do is we want to feel good. So we base all of our what's right or wrongs on how it makes us feel. And that's called living by your flesh. And when you live by your flesh, you are not living by faith. When you live by flesh, you're living to appease yourself and make yourself feel good. And that is the not way to, not the way to live your life. So the, the scripture says in Galatians 5, 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified with their flesh, with its passions and desires. So I, I don't, I don't know why, why does anybody, we got, we got mischarged at Speedway the other day. Somebody charged, and, and we got a charge on our debit card for a carton of cigarettes. Do you know how much a carton? I had no idea. Do you know how much a carton of cigarettes was? $72 for a carton of cigarettes. I saw that and I was like, Robin, what'd you spend $77 on? She said, I got a pop. I said, you got more than a pop. So I called and I got it reversed and the charge is saying, I'm like, who thinks it's a good idea to kill yourself at 75 bucks a month? Come on. That's not an action of faith. That is an action of your flesh. You're addicted to it. Come on, let's get free, all right? Can we, can we just be honest? That smoking may not send you to hell, but it will be really expensive on your trip wherever you're going. Amen, pastor. I'm not saying you're going to hell. I'm not saying that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm just simply saying, don't approve things based on your flesh. Kill your flesh. Make your decisions based on faith. Let's become the people God made us to be. By the way, some things are debatable. Other things are not. I have stories to tell. I'm going to skip them. Let me just tell you what's not debatable. This is what's not debatable. Number one. It is not debatable that there is one God revealed in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's not debatable. There is one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're not debating that. Second thing we're not debating. We're not debating that belief in death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is the only way for salvation. That's not debatable. Jesus died on a cross was resurrected on the third day and is Lord of all heaven and earth, the only way to be saved. What is not debatable? Belief that the scriptures are God's inspired communication to humanity. That is not debatable. We believe the scripture are God's word to humanity. Now, that's not debatable. What else is not debatable? God requires moral and holy living. He requires you to live a righteous life. That is required. He gave us 10 commands. You couldn't keep them. So he boiled it down to two. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbors yourself. And you still don't keep those. 
So what we need to do is we need to be a people that understand that God's plan for holy living is better than ours and that that is not debatable, that he has certain rules of right and wrong. All right. But what do debatable things? Those are things that require you to make moral judgments about which one is better. It's a moral commitment for us. And in that moral commitment, you have to make them. We live in a don't judge me, bro culture. Anybody ever see that? Only God can judge me. Really? I just did for wearing that T-shirt. So God's not the only one. <laughs> right? Come on, we all make judgments about everything. If you don't make judgments, then you're going to die soon because you will eat rotten food. At some point, you have to judge. This is too old. It's got green growing on it, right? We have to make judgment. There are judgments you make every single day to stay alive. So we want to make sure that we don't offend our consciences by permitting ourselves to do things that come from an impure heart. So we want to make sure our heart is pure before God. So here's my point. You have to make sure your convictions are right and true, not just your convictions. Real quick story. I was a youth pastor. I, now, I'm, now I'm all like 21. No, this was two weeks into it. See, two weeks into my youth pastor stint, we had grown a youth group from 15 to two. And that was me and Robin. Because I was under conviction, having come from Central Bible College, that you don't play games in church because you're there to worship God. You have to say it like they did at Bible College. We're here to worship God. And, and we're going to pray and seek Jesus in our services. And no fun is allowed because we've got to seek God. So I approached youth ministry that way and everybody left. And I have no idea why. <laughs> so my youth pastor, or, so my senior pastor comes to me on a Wednesday night, one hour before service. And he says to me, he says, hey, uh, the kids are all bored out of their minds. Here's what you're going to do today. You're going to go in and play a game with the teenagers before you preach. And I'm like, no, I'm not. He said, oh, yes, you are. I said, no, I have a moral conviction against that. And he said, I don't think you understand me. You're going to play a game with them. Now, I, I preached last week. What did we preach about last week? Romans chapter 13. It is God's will that we submit to what? Authority. Oh, now I have a conviction or I have the word of God. Are y'all following me here? Too many of us are living by our convictions and our thoughts and disregarding the word of God. And I had a decision to make. Will I be obedient to the word of God that I say I obey or will I obey my convictions that were passed on to me by bonehead people who don't run youth ministries and nobody goes to their church. That's the reason they're teachers. I didn't say that out loud, did I? Please forgive me. Are we, oh, come on, I'm just having fun. So you know what I did? I went and played games with my kids. And then kids started getting saved, lives started getting changed. And we wound up with a church of about 120 people. We were having 40 kids on a Wednesday night. You know why we were doing that? I'll tell you why, because we started having fun. And that changed the way I approach today. Let's have some fun. So first of all, make sure of what you believe. Second of all, we're on the same team. We're on the same team. Uh, when we disagree with people, we have a tendency to allow it to divide us. 
But that's not how this passage starts. This passage says we accept people that are different than us. So the, the culture's taken over this statement, we're all in this together, except a Hollywood actress said it this way. She said, we're all in this together alone. And that's how a lot of us feel. We're, yeah, we're in this together, but I'm all alone because I'm not accepted and loved. Let me tell you what, when you walk through the doors of this place or you drive onto Harvest Ridge, I want you to know you're accepted. You're accepted. We will work on your problems and your issues. We will work on it with you, not against you. But you are accepted. Please understand that. That is a core value of who we are, that you're accepted. We're on the same team. If you're here to follow Jesus, we're going to help you. Uh, Romans 14.1 says, accept the one whose faith is weak without, without quarreling. So a uh, couple things. Just realize, if you want to know how to accept people, you want to know how to be on the same team. Number one, not everybody's like you. You're going to have to accept people that are different than you. Number two, let coach handle it. Now, I've coached a lot of football teams over the years, and over the years of all these teams I've coached, I will tell you that a little competition, a little tension is good on a team. A little is good. But when they start getting in real conflict with one another, so it goes back to the dressing room, that's when you let coach handle it. And some of you, you're in conflict with other people and what you need to do is you need to let coach handle it. You need to let coach deal with the problem rather than you deal with it. Romans 14, four says, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master they stand or fall and they will stand for God, the Lord is able to make them stand. Third, realize we need each other. For none of us lives for our lives alone, Romans 14, 7, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. So just simply, simply statement here. If God accepts somebody, who are you to reject them? If God accepts somebody, who are you to reject them? And when, if we will actually realize we're on the same team and pull together and submit to our coach, we can do the impossible. And I got a little video that proves that a group of people working together can do the impossible. On Saturday, March 9th, members of the Amish community arrived at the Hofstetter farm on Snively Road. Over 250 Amish and another were there to help move a pole barn from one side of the farm to another. Shortly after 9 a.m., they spread out around the farm, and then they lifted. Walking slowly, they were able to move the bar into his new spot. The entire process took less than five minutes. We lost power. We're running on the generator right now. From Northern Oaks County, Joshua Morris, the Mountain Indian Black all right, so I got to make this quick because we're running on generator and I don't want to go bad. So let's go number three, act with love. No, third rule, act with love. Love supersedes rules. Did you know that? Love supersedes rules. All right, you don't believe me? Any dads in the room? Some days it is loving to buy ice cream. Some days it is loving to not buy ice cream. Am I correct? So what we need to do is we need to realize that love supersedes rules. Um, so what do we do? How do we act with love when things are disputable? Number one, 
Think about the other person first. Think about the other person first. Romans 14, 13. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of brother or sister. So if you act with love, you think about them first. Second of all, act in a way that brings peace. Remember, we are in this for righteousness. The kingdom of God is about righteousness with God. Everybody do this with me. It's about righteousness with God. It's about peace with one another. Do you notice what we did there? We made the sign of a cross. It's about righteousness with God, peace with one another, and joy in the Holy Spirit, in us, living a life of joy. And, and that's what God wants for you. He wants righteousness with him, peace with one another, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So act in a way that brings peace. And then thirdly of all, make the sacrifice. Give up your preference for the good of the other person. Romans 14, 20, you can read that. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. And right here is a perfect example. Right here. You know what this is, right? It's my mask. And we live in a culture right now that these things have become a cultural, political, whatever kind of statement. And, and you know what? What if, we, what if we did this? You ready? What if we just accepted people with different views than us? Because your views are right or else you wouldn't have them. You're right. If you're an anti-masker, you're right. If you're everybody's got to wear a mask, you're right. Okay? All right. Everybody's right. Now, what if we just decided that we would prefer one another as it comes to this? And how can you then take this simple little thing and how can you use this in a way that's loving towards the people around you instead of making it a weapon towards the people around you? How about number four? Keep your convictions personal. <laughs> we live in a rights culture. I have my right. I can say what I want to. Yeah, you can. But why do you have to be a jerk? And, and this, why, why does everybody need to know your opinion? Some of you, come on, I read your Facebook stuff. And, and just do yourself a favor, all right? You are not winning anybody over with your Facebook stuff. You know what you're doing? You're pulling your little group of friends together that believe just like you. And you're just making yourselves more of a jerk to all the people around you. I know you don't believe me. It's the truth, though. As a person that loves you and actually agrees with you, and I agree with them, and I agree with all these different people and all their different thoughts, why can't we do ourselves a favor? Why can't we just keep our personal convictions personal? I don't, uh, <laughs> you notice a while ago when we were going through this, Romans uh, 12, 20, or 14, 22, you notice I quoted it, I didn't read it. You know why I quoted it? Because I had to memorize it for me, because trust me, I got a lot of opinions. I got a lot of opinions. I got opinions about everything, right? Oh, you do too. Hopefully you do. If you don't have opinions, that means you haven't thought. And I hope you have enough of a brain to think about something. Right? So what does it say? Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the man that does not condemn himself and that thing which he approveth. Happy is the person that doesn't condemn himself without they approve. But whatever you think about it, keep between yourself and God. We don't all need to know all of your thoughts. Two key parts of this verse, keep your convictions private. Number one, make sure you are not destroying another person by your actions. So do you know what a lot of us are like? We've got an opinion. We're like the person that wears the Pittsburgh gear to sit in the dog pound. Why would anybody wear Pittsburgh gear to sit in the dog pound? Let me tell you why they would, because they're looking for a fight. They're not looking to build friendships and relationships. They're looking for a fight. And if you want to fight, there's always somebody that can kick your butt. I will guarantee that. Number five, you will answer to God. Here's the grand finale of the matter. Everything you believe, everything you do, you will stand before God, the God of the universe, the God who is able to judge 
every, not only everything you've done, but every motive for why you've done it. You see, I don't really like to judge you because I don't understand all of your motives, but God knows all of your motives. He knows all of them. He sees them all. The Bible says in this passage, you then, why do you judge a brother or sister or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account to God. And if your, if your judgments and your thoughts about these things are not from faith, you will be judged for that because God knows, Romans 14, 23, everything that does not come from faith is sin. And there will come a day when the God who sees everything and knows every decision you've made and every reason why you made it. That God will judge you. Hebrews 14, 13 says nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him for whom we must give an account. God will judge every part of your life and he sees it all. The Bible talks in Revelation about how Jesus has eyes of blazing fire because he sees everything and he knows why you do what you do and he knows how to reward you or how to punish you. And there will come a day, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 says, this, this judgment will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his might. Now I'm going to, I'm going to end this because online if you're watching thanks for hanging but I'm going to just talk here for a second several years ago I was in a really really low place in my life and I was at an event and I remember going to the altar and I knelt down that night at the altar and I prayed God it would be okay if I could just see you so I saw a vision I've only had three visions in my life I saw a vision what I saw was this ledge with these brilliant, bright, white light with these clouds pouring off the edge of this ledge. And uh, when I saw that, it was a half a second, I immediately hit the floor and cried out, God, don't kill me. I don't understand that because I was suicidal at the moment and I don't know why I would cry, don't kill me, because I was at that point. And I was like, God, don't kill me. I, I think I understand why. I didn't want it to stop. What I felt in that moment is joy and pleasure like I've never experienced in all of my life. Um, you see, listen, philosophy-wise, God made every pleasure that you're seeking. Think about this. No pleasure, sexual pleasure, the highs of accomplishment, wealth, jumping out of things, all those things, God made all of those pleasures, all of them. So they're not inventions of you, they're inventions of God. So God is a God that understands pleasure. And every pleasure that you want, the Bible says the fullness of pleasure is in the presence of God. At your right hand, there are eternal pleasures, right? Are y'all with me here? So here I was in this presence. I just saw this light, this clouds, and this joy and pleasure in my heart. And I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. But I said, don't kill me. And, and all right, so all that happened in a split second. The next morning, I opened up my Bible because I read the Bible and I opened the same place I start, left off. And it said this, you ready? Out of the brightness of your presence, clouds advanced. 
And the Lord spoke to me that my, my vision was actually written for me here in the Bible saying, I didn't even see God. I just got somewhere near where he was. And it was so incredible. I didn't know how to handle it. Are y'all following me here? So when, when I read a passage like this about us being judged by God, there will come a time that if you do not acknowledge Jesus as Lord, you will be cut off from eternal pleasure and you will be cut off from the glory of his presence and the majesty and the splendor of his being. You'll be cut off from that and destroyed with an eternal, an everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of joy and you get a chance to see it but never really enter into it. And that's why I wanna follow Jesus, not just for now, but for all eternity. And there are some of you, you haven't made up your mind to follow Jesus because you think, oh, you want to have fun. Listen to me, the most fun you can have is doing life God's way because it's not just fun today, but I can remember what I did today and I can remember it tomorrow and I can have fun not just for today, but 40 years down the road and a million years down the road, it's going to be more fun. And I'm talking to some of you because you're like, oh, I'll get saved later after I've had my fun. No, you won't. No. No, because your fun is death and God's got eternal pleasure for you. And what he's saying to you in this passage is you will give in a judgment. You will give an account for everything you've ever done. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me. And if you're in this room today and you've not made your decision to follow Jesus with all your heart, today's your day. Today's your day to make him the Lord of your life. You're watching online right now and, and, uh, you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life? Text BELIEVE to the number on the screen. If, you, if you're in this room today and you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, it's your day. It's your day. You know it is. God's talking to you. This isn't me. I'm not talking to you into this. God's talking to you. You know it right now. If that's you, lift your hand real high. I want to pray with you. Yes. There are others? Anybody else? Give you one more chance. We pray together here. Nobody prays alone at Harvest Ridge. Let's do this together. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Please give me your fullness. I believe in you. I confess you as Lord. I will serve you. Thanks for accepting me. Amen. Now, if you prayed that and you meant it, guess what? God took you up on your word. So here's how we're going to end. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's a matter of what? Righteousness, right relationship with God. Come on, you can do it with me. It's a matter of righteousness, peace with one another, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You're, you know you're memorizing a scripture here. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When Jesus said it is finished on the cross, he meant it. It is finished for all time, all space, all places. I'll just hold this until he's coming for it. Can we get that past we Thanks. So would you stand with me? A man's going to come. Let me finish this story, and then we'll be done. Remember Lottie friend? Remember her mind blown, me going over to her house? Blue hair on the wall, the whole thing? All right, so here's what happened. I came up here and planted a church, and I had been up here about six months and we had one of those tense moments at the church where some, there was tension. You know, those do happen occasionally in church world. It has happened, right? Y'all know that, right? 
It got tense. Do you know what I did? I called Lottie friend. Because after that day when we agreed and disagreed together, we became friends and we prayed with one another. And when I had tension here, guess what I did? I called her and she prayed me through it. The tensions and the disagreements are not to bring division, but to bring unity for the future so that you can learn to love and prefer people and can develop into the people God wants you to be. Don't take these tensions wrongly. They're opportunities because the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drink. Come on, you gotta do this with me. All right, I don't care. It sounds like kids' church. Well, good. In kids' church, you memorize scripture. Here, you look at me. You ready? Kingdom of God. Come on, tell me. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So we're going to celebrate with some joy. You guys got this? God bless you. Have a great week. Have a great week. Let's go.